I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop? Hello and welcome to the 61st Spool Podcast with me, Nigel Wheatley, and him, Pork McGill. Hello. So in the next 40 odd minutes, we'll be talking about the new Edgar Wright film, Baby Driver, Bong Joon-ho's follow-up to Snowpiercer, Okja, which arrived on Netflix a couple of days ago. And then we'll be talking about what's being dubbed as one of the best Irish films of the year, Twice Shy. And then we might even take a few minutes to talk about the new Transformers film. But first of all, we'll take a little bit of music from Baby Driver. Fantastic. Great song, uh, as it slowly fades into the background there. Um, yeah, so this is the new film from Edgar Wright. Uh, close to a lot of people our age, I would imagine, who kind of fell in love with Shaun of the Dead at college. Um, so this is her... Or, or Spaced, if we're a little bit yeah. older. There, there is a generation of people who kind of knew about Space when they were in college, but we're 2003... Um, My kids, sister kind of watched so. Space, like so I didn't watch it, I think, till after Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. And uh, I remember Michael being smiling. on yeah. like around the same time as Euro Trash on the Fridays. Mm. Uh, you had to be quick with the remote to change <laughs> the channel. <laughs> quick. Yeah, that's why you need the sitting room. Oh no, that's I'm just watching John Kelly on UTV, his yeah. chat show. Yeah, yeah. Or give up your old sin- that Northern Ireland thing. Oh yeah. What's that annoying comedy thing? Oh yeah, you're um anyway. anyway. Moving on. Uh yes, so The World's End was his last one, which wasn't great, and he had a bit of uh to do or fall out over Ant-Man where he kind of left slash was kicked off the film um, so yeah this is kind of his first film since The World's End it's a great film um, soundtrack is amazing the music kind of uh, is throughout the film it's about a guy called Baby who is I thought there was going to be some Dirty Dancing reference but there isn't or I missed it like no one puts baby in the corner kind of thing uh, no I didn't pick up on a Dirty Dancing reference yeah so um, uh, Ansel Elgort uh, plays him I'm quite bad so- at his name yeah, you would know him from The Fault in Their Stars. Yeah, and that's kind of what of he came to fame. Ridiculous name, but... Um, yeah. So he is Baby. He has tinnitus and therefore needs to listen to music all the time to kind of drone out the drown out the size, the sound of the drone. And uh, he's a driver for Getaway. Like, uh, Kevin Spacey is a mob boss, potentially, or like a businessman. And he puts together these robberies and cons and... Baby is the driver who gets them all away. He never works with the same crew twice, but Baby's always there. So, yeah, Kevin Spacey's character thinks that Baby is his lucky charm, isn't it? Yeah, and you kind of find out early on that Baby owes money to um, Kevin Spacey over, like it's revealed in the plot, we won't go into it now. So he's kind of almost settling a debt, being a driver to him. And then a love interest comes in in the form of uh, Deborah, who's played by Lily James. People might remember her from Downton Abbey. She's character in that. That's what and, she was And from. Cinderella, apparently. Oh, yeah, I did I see had to one. Google how I kind of recognised her. But I then, in my Googling, I was like, someone just said, oh, you'll recognise her because she looks exactly like, is it Shelley from Twin Peaks? And they've uh, styled yeah. her. They've just sort of styled her completely over that. And then they do all these side-by-side, like, That is so hair, true, actually. Yeah. And, uh, and then it's set in a diner. 
yeah. a lot of the film. Uh, so here we have a little clip which sets up Baby and Deborah's first meeting. So you're just starting your day, or did you just get off? Oh, I don't know if I ever get off. They call, I go, you know. So what is it you do? I'm a driver. Oh, like a, like a chauffeur? You drive around important people? I guess I do. Anyone I'd know? I hope not. Well, aren't you mysterious? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe? <laughs> so when was the last time you hit the road just for fun? Yesterday. Oh, I'm jealous. Sometimes all I want to do is head west on 20 in a car I can't afford with a plan I don't have. Just me, my music, and the road. I'd like that too. So I think that kind of shows the great kind of ease of dialogue and back and forth. Like I'll touch on this when we talk about Toy Shy. It's quite a hard thing to write that. And it has all of um, Edgar Wright's hallmarks, great dialogue, great back and forth, really um, speedy cuts. The film is basically like, you could say it's a musical in some regards because the whole thing is soundtrack to um, music and great tunes. Uh, it's really enjoyable, really high energy, full of fun. Gets kind of a bit serious mid halfway through and you're like, oh, it's kind of people start dying and getting killed and you're like, oh, it's not all light and airy yeah and that's some of the gangsters I think Baby's he, d- he seems to maybe not be that into like death and killing and stuff and his thing is just not, no we get money hopefully no one dies in the process and that's how I kind of work um, and then yeah midway through Jamie Foxx's character in particular very violent um, and mm. uh, yeah John Hamm then has a bit of a penchant for a bit of violence as mm. well so also a nice cameo from Flea which you spotted yeah yeah it's a good one what did you make of it um, yeah, what? It, so you given it what sort of rating? I'd give it about then? a four, I think. Yeah, I'm on the four as well. I was thinking about this last night that it's not, it's not perfect. I think that in that kind of second act, it kind of dips a little bit, slows down, partly. And um, but mm. it's such a like, it's a real return to form. Definitely his best that he's done since Hot Fuzz for sure. Like, um, yeah, like because we kind of like Scott Pilgrim though. I think we had a bit of fondness for that. But uh, yeah, no, and maybe actually, yeah, maybe you're right. I had them in the wrong order. Yeah, yeah. no, Scott, best since Scott Pilgrim. Sorry. Yeah. Re- rewrite and maybe in time it'll it'll become an even more like well regarded yeah film I think the I'm going to go Scott see it again did. yeah like I kind of because the music is so good and the soundtrack you kind of want to see it in the best sound system possible yeah absolutely yeah it's not one to kind of watch at home or anything. on your yeah. phone and that thing with the sound mix I think w- is brilliant I mean if you're blessed with good hearing like you do realize obviously he has tinnitus and and that's so the sound is a critical part of it. Like the film opens as the as the studio idents and everything come up, a bit of tinnitus comes up, and then music kicks in, and it's all it's done. If you'll allow me to use the film theory uh, words, diegetic sound. So we only pretty much for most of the film we only hear what he hears, and then when one ear is pulled out, the, the audio on a lot of one side will be gone. So. Um, it's very clever the way they've done it and the way they've mixed it. Um, I thought it's brilliant. Like there's action scenes that you don't get any sound effects, so you see cars screeching and all that, and I don't think we hear any screeching sounds. We just get these cool kind of archive kind of tunes. And you were saying you've a theory that he was kind of kipping on Quentin Tarantino's couch, so maybe he went through some of the records. Yeah, so I think there, after that, it's a very Ant-Man musical debacle, or kind of when he was trying to get bigger in America. Um, he he kind of fell in hard times or was just kind of hanging out with Quentin Tarantino ended up sleeping on his couch for a bit and uh, yeah because he, he did uh, he directed a fake trailer for The, the Grindhouse, Grindhouse thing. Oh, one right. of those yeah you can yeah. see that on IMDb so they're definitely aware of each other and 
quite possibly friends. So yeah, I'd say he had a mm-hmm. bit of an influence there. Loved all the old iPods as well. So he's not really there's no Spotify or anything in this film. Like it is set in the present day. Yeah. But um, baby's into cassette tapes. He does mixes and stuff. But it's kind of funny that they make the when it goes back to the flashbacks, you almost think it's the seventies. <laughs> They've yeah. kind of made it look like that, but it's not. It's just like yeah. the early. No, and I mean the yeah, it's sort of a vintage 90s. feel to the. To, to the way the the whole thing is put together like the mm. diner is deliberately really old the parking lots are very old they call to mind we, we're going to do a podcast next week on uh, the 1978 film The Driver which is a huge influence on it and even just having a lot of the scenes in these old um, car parks is very good it's set in Atlanta yeah I was reading that after and which it doesn't feel like the same Atlanta to the Atlanta we know from the Donald Glover TV series yeah. I saw midway through it I was like this is a like it feels like a real living breathing city but it's it could be anywhere it's not uh, yeah so but, but, but distinctly American they like, were kind of saying Atlanta kind of doubles for a lot of places and films but they were like oh, we'll just make Atlanta Atlanta so they don't pretend that it's anywhere else yeah. and apparently I was looking at a, a feature ad on it there's some rappers in it when Kevin Smith is ta- or when Kevin Spacey is talking yeah. to the people oh, in the yeah, diner yeah. the yeah, two I looked people on the, cre- the credits Big Boy is, is yeah, yeah. and who's the other guy? don't know I can't remember alright our rap knowledge is I think so yeah I yeah big 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 fan and I'm very glad because I'd forgotten that Edgar Wright also wrote a Tintin film in his so he's back on form so just yeah. let him do his own thing and people need to stop interfering and he is like one of the few kind of writer directors who should just mm. be given budget to just go and make films in his own thing hire whoever he wants because people yeah. will want to work with him now after yeah. this too so. and it was good get getting Jamie Foxx and kind of John Hamm John Hamm looks younger in this than he did in Mad Men that's true yeah. I know stylistically and stuff but you're just like mm. yeah. he's gone off the, the drugs though you're into rehab after Mad Men so maybe that cleaned him out and up I did not know he did any drugs oh yeah uh, had to so he just got, he got, into got in character. After Mad Men, he got yeah, in character. Yeah. Well, he did a lot He's of very drinking funny. And stuff. The press tour for this has been brilliant. Like Edgar Wright's been showing up on pretty much every podcast going, and just watching John Hamm, Kevin Spacey, like Kevin Spacey, doing these interviews. I, you know, usually they're boring, but here they're very honest. It's very funny. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, a big, big, big thumbs up then from both of us. So it's probably the best from the moment. Like we're yeah, it's the best thing up. to go see at the moment, unless you Definitely. haven't seen some of the other ones we might talk about. But they're older, so they might be gone. <laughs> All right, like what? Well, we'll um, come my, on to it. Yeah, okay. All right. So um, next up is a film that we, again, increasingly, the landscape of the movie industry is changing every month. And so we find ourselves discussing movies that aren't available in movie theatres. Uh, so, yeah, this is uh, Okja, which uh, got everyone's interest by, um, directed by uh, Bong Joon-ho, who the team all called Director Bong, which I think is cool. Um, but it was competing for the Palme d'Or at Cannes, got booed, opened this big debate about whether... So Netflix acquired the film from him when it was made and then said, actually, we're just going to release it simultaneously. Your oh. friend was giving it shit, Pedro. Pedro, yeah. Well, Pedro Almodovar and even like David Lynch has talked about the need to watch features in the cinema or in the best possible environment. So he made, like Lynch made this very, very good comment recently where he said just... Turn off the lights, get as close to the screen, get the biggest, brightest, loudest setup you can do and at least give it that. I think they're all worried that like people will watch a movie like while... Like, this is the kind of same shit that happened when uh, VHS was invented. People are like, oh yeah. my God, no one's going to go to the cinema anymore. Yeah. Like, so, so, no, like, I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum, like that I just think there's nothing better than the shared experience. Like we saw Baby Driver with... 
uh, an audience there last night on opening night and it's the pros yeah exactly we did note that the entire audience for baby driver was aged between 27 and 35 very unusual yeah to get a such a specific too. demographic gender wise yeah, yeah sure. as well like yeah um, but anyway, back to Okja, which is a film that we both watched uh, separately alone in our homes with our Netflix subscription, my, my sister's Netflix subscription. Oh. Um, so this is di- director's, uh, his follow-up to Snowpiercer, which did you ever actually watch? No. No. So that what was, is it? Snowpiercer is the film about like Chris Evans, not Radio 1, <laughs> TGTFI Friday, the other Chris Evans. Captain America is on, a, is on a train. It's set in a dystopian future, Ice Age, and the train is rocketing around the world. And it's got a, it's got like, it's a, a class parable, I suppose, like this social parable. Ian like, Hurt on it. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. John yeah. Hurt. Yeah, yeah. sorry. And uh, Tilda Swinton is in it. So it's a genre film, but it, it never got a cinema release. So it becomes one of these sort of mythological, sorry, myth, you know, that that thing where it, it starts to be more beloved than it actually is. Warrant, but it's yeah. a very, it's a very, very good film. So, um, but anyway, so this is the follow up to that. And he did The Host as well. See The Host? No. So, uh, Anyway, here he's working with author and screenwriter John Ronson, I think, on a lot of the dialogue. And, Very good. Uh, so it's the story of a corporation's plan to create a super pig that will feed the world. So um, It looks like a hippopotamus. Kind of like a hippo pig, yeah. And it's about, yeah, it's, about, it's bigger than a hippo, is it? But a oh, yeah, more. it's about the size of a boss. Yeah. So leading the corporate or the kind of face of the corporation is Jake Gyllenhaal and then Tilda Swinton. So we'll just take a clip. This is Tilda um, as the sort of giving a bit of an intro to things. Hello, I'm Lucy Miranda of the Miranda Corporation. Maybe the Miranda vision has already found its way into your home. There's our organic harvesting and peachy delight baking goods. And don't forget our happy pup treats. What a good boy. <laughs> then there's the innovative, behind-the-scenes research we conduct over at Mirando Transformatives and the Mirando Animal Wellness Center. My scientists have discovered that while Mirando pigs dream peaceful and lovely dreams... So then that happens anyway. So they, they release these pigs. Uh, they, they're, they're cultivating them, and they've sent 10 around the world. And as a PR stunt, then after 10 years, they want them to come back to New York to listen to this character recalls them but uh, in the, the f- a 14 year old girl in Korea um, uh, Mia and her family good Korea South Korea yeah good Korea don't Mia doesn't really agree to this so then this turns into she effectively um, doesn't play along with it and it, she teams up with these eco warriors led her by sneaky granddad I presume it's her granddad her sneaky granddad pretends that he's bought the pig from the company mm. and uh the people come back and like no we're taking the pig back and then yeah so Paul Dano and Lily Collins are uh, part of those eco warriors so um, I enjoyed it a lot uh, it felt like I could easily be watching it in the cinema um, and yet it sort of felt a bit sad that I was watching such a big release but then there was something kind of cool about afterwards looking on Twitter reading like reviews and seeing people logging that they'd watched the film on IMDb and Letterboxd and stuff like that and everyone having that collective experience at home was kind of cool but mm. um, the little bit of Steven Spielberg I think in the way you've got like a 12 or 13 year old kid who um, sort of embodies like freedom and wanting to get out of their world and everything and I think that's probably a very obvious uh, influence and yeah so I did dig it and I have no idea no I didn't love it yeah. I, I think it, it gets it's very multicultural, multi, and by that I mean like not only linguistically, but also 
it's a very gentle Korean family film and then it shoots into blockbuster mode when, over in America um, but it is held together Tilda Swinton is obviously brilliant because I don't love this and she does yeah um, it's for me it kind of started did well you, did you watch it in one go I ended up watching in I did no, watch I, it in the one go no I watched yeah. it in two goes and I watched half of it last night and the rest of it um, today whenever those days are um, it started well for me I kind of liked it and I was like yeah digging this okay cool and then Jake Gyllenhaal shows up and I am it's like weird what are you at like I hated his character wanted to punch him in the face and like he was it was just oh, he was driving me nuts and then the kind of the whole thing unraveled for me like I I really don't like it from because uh, I don't know what it's trying to say like to me the whole meat, it, it's, it's meat a, is murder yeah like I think. F- fuck off like it's a very mm. at the moment like we it's a very apt point that like you know the population's getting huge we're running out of food and we need to think of viable ways of making more food for people like because we can't just all farm there's too many people now just to like oh we'll all have a wee plot of land in front of the house and and do that it's just not viable and they've kind of tarnished this whole like they've made gm and any kind of modification into like the antichrist and it's all awful and terrible and like the girl says the scientist and the girl is really selfish in this you know, she doesn't care. Like, she eats fish, so it's not... I'm kind of like, all she cares about, it's like she's it's just her, got... her buddy. She's just got a pet cow, like... And when she goes to the factory where they're all kept, she's like, don't care about all the rest of these who could be potentially people's friends or whatever. It's all about her and mm. me and me and me. So I just... I really didn't like the film from its stance and there were so many annoying characters. Paul Dano was just being Paul Dano. He's just playing himself in it. Yeah, they had Jake Gyllenhaal, which was really annoying. Tilda Swinton's second character was brilliant because I was like exactly this is what it's really about mm. and the worst thing what that annoyed me was uh, Shirley Henderson who plays character Jennifer uh, who basically is people will know her they probably won't recognise those names but they'll recognise her from as Moaning Myrtle from the Harry Potter films and they basically were like hey will you just do Moaning Myrtle <coughs> and in this film oh yeah I do know the British actress yeah and she says, yes, so I, I kind of I don't get the so it point. Sounds like it flipped on you, and you got. Yeah, yeah you I were. don't get the point of the film. Yeah, like is, is it a friendship thing? And it's just like I think she's it's friendship, so and it's not. Like. Yeah, but I think it's it's yeah, but she won at all odds wants to get her friend back, and I think you're right. She's not doing it as an eco warrior. It's not like the yeah. She's not making the statement, and those scenes at the end kind of did worry me that they could easily have maybe gone further to liberate the whole thing. And even the the guy, like the Paul Dano crew. Did you watch, actually, there's a bit after, at the end after the 12 minutes of trailers, of credits. Credits, no, I didn't. Paul Dano gets out of uh, jail or wherever he's been and gets back in the bus and they're all going off to do something else. Oh, so sequel. Like, you're just like, oh, okay. How did you know that? Did you watch I was like, no, credits? the film was kind of coming to an end and I was like, there's still like, this film goes on for like another 12 oh, minutes so I sped through the oh, yeah. the credits and I was like oh it's back to more film now mm. um, so yeah not would you have felt the same scene in the cinema yeah there's no oh definitely yeah matter, no right? yeah, yeah 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 but in, in, in interesting I'd still recommend people to like it's a very nice watch like and worthwhile seeing the part oh yeah I know people who'd like it kind of in my head I'm like oh yeah yeah thank you, know. you what kind of people what other films I'd say my sister like? would dig it she Louise Okay. Yeah. Can't name her on the boss. Oh, sorry. Beep. You can beep that <laughs> beep. out. <laughs> uh, Your sister would like it. It's just kind of. It's a nice, warm film in some regards, yeah. but to me, it just it really irked at me. Like I don't know. Mm. Interesting. Uh, 
another one maybe I'll just quickly talk about another thing that's on Netflix um, and it's one I don't think you've got to see it but I'll just talk about it it's just a documentary it's called Nobody Speak Hulk Hogan Gawker and Trials of a Free Press so um, we'll just take 30 seconds of this because of uh, the sex tape a little, Great. Re- a little recap of what do you one of the greatest wrestlers of all time just got sucker punched. When you see the words Hulk Hogan sex tape, you have that moment before you decide whether or not to click it. Hogan's $100 million lawsuit over a tape that was posted online by the website Gawker. It's the first celebrity sex tape case to go to trial. It put internet privacy in a battle against freedom of the press. Gawker becomes convinced that somebody else with a different agenda is financing this lawsuit. Billionaire Peter Thiel, a co-founder of PayPal, is secretly paying the expenses of Hulk Hogan's legal fight. So, effectively, the film is set, uh, split into three chapters. You've got the first bit, which is Hulk Hogan's uh, trial against Gawker, which I think in general most people remember. And the one takeaway from it being the line about him talking about how he, Hulk Hogan may have had a 10-inch penis, but Terry Bollea, who is Hulk Hogan's real name, didn't. And it became this farcical thing, but it actually held up in court and it shut down uh, the Gawker site, uh, series of sites. Yeah, bankrupt. And Nick game. Denton. Yeah, and Nick Denton, the CEO behind it, and the journalists and all these people just got all these insane bills. And I think, obviously, when it was happening, people were like, where's all this money coming from? And then it turned out that it was a vindictive Silicon Valley billionaire who is possibly gay and ha- was sort of outed by some of these sites and took this as a vendetta against them. So chapter one is that, then chapter two is the Silicon Valley part, and then chapter three is it moves into Donald Trump sort of stuff. So it's a it's bit very disconnected. daughter and daughter. Do you remember the reality TV show they had Brooke. on TV? Brooke she was trying Hogan. to become a singer and she, she kind of looks isn't like really, but they, they bring They bring a lot of that in that like, you know, Hulk Hogan the sex tape was with his best friend's wife and the best friend filmed them and then the best friend leaked the tape. So it was almost like, was this a setup? and the best friend's name is Bubba the Love Sponge. Um, so like, it's just very weird. Anyway, it's a very easy watch. You can just watch the first half hour, maybe or 40 minutes. Is it seven hours like the OJ no, it's thing? Not, no, it's 90 minutes. Oh, but cool. it, it, it actually, from reading reviews, people are like, this deserved to be eight hours. And you're like, no, it didn't deserve to be eight hours. It's a good, but it could be long. And like the Donald Trump thing, is evolving even more like in these coming weeks in the fact that he now no longer allows cameras into the press briefings. And so Sean Spicer, people are audio, ca- capturing audio from his things and drawing what he looks like and taking pictures. Like it's very, th- th- so the world is at an interesting point in terms of journalism and free speech and stuff. But anyway, the two of them are on Netflix. Uh, I watch them both, but I potentially maybe say watch that one. Okay, yeah. I'll give it a look. Um, so we're going to move back into the world of cinema and uh, close to home in that it's an Irish film and it's called Twice Shy uh, it came out last week uh, it'll still be playing like most uh, cineplexes near you directed by Tom Ryan and stars Shane Murray Corcoran as Andy and Isolt Casey as Maggie Collins they are a couple Isolt, Isolt. very Tolkien-esque yeah in my head WB Yeats was in love with like Maud Gon's daughter as well. And I think she might have been called Isolt. I remember seeing that name in the like the National Library. They have a permanent exi- uh, exhibition about WB Yeats. And I was like, oh, is that her name? Anyway, so it's a film that starts out with um, 
Andy picking up Maggie from her home and they're going up to the airport to Dublin to go to England to get an abortion. And <gasps> yeah, we find out that then it kind of goes back in time to uh, Andy kind of liked her. And then we kind of cut back and forth to the van and to uh, something from their past, whether it was going to the Debs, kind of going to college. Getting and together in college. Just their kind of life and Trinity background. and him, yeah. Yeah. So here we have, I, I couldn't really find a clip, so here's just kind of 30 seconds from the trailer that kind of gives you a, a feel for the movie. You've had three years, and Ask her to the Debs. Are you going to, like, kiss me or what? <laughs> <laughs> What's her name again? Miss Moneypenny, was it? Maggie. Maggie. Andy, I'm pregnant. I'm having an abortion. Okay, so there you kind of get the, the, the feel of it. Um, Thoughts? I don't know what you think of this either. This yeah. is very much a surprise one. I think we're landing in the middle, judging by your face. Yeah, it's... Um, it got an awful lot of love in kind of Irish uh, media circles. Like. You know, yeah, I've just, like, as a quick aggregate of five magazines, it's getting four out of fives from all of them. To me, this is nowhere near a four-star film. And I think it's kind of fallen into the, the, the Irish curse of, like, well, it's it's an Irish film, so we kind of have to give it an extra star or whatever. And you can't really speak too negatively about it. Yeah. For me, I, like... I think it's, it's a, like, there's this thing with a well-meaning, like, socially conscious Irish film. Yeah. It automatically gets. Mm. They seem, people seem very happy to rip apart a film if it's a genre Irish film yeah. or if it is... You made a great point when provocative. you mentioned some about it. If all these characters had it, had English accents and this film was set in England, it would not be getting as much praise. No. Nor would it get any much of a push in England, sadly, yeah. No. Um, so, to me, it's... The characters aren't great. It the dialogue between them is quite stilted, and I know there's some of that due to the mood, and there's kind of an awkwardness between them. But it's too, it just you can't connect with either of the characters. It's too emotionally stunted. There's a really great kind of um, Emmett Byrne plays Hog. I looked up in the credits, but he's your man's friend who he meets uh, when he's talking to about getting with Maggie. They go into the pub together. Are they cousins? Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, he's great. I was just like, he is really at ease. Like, Shane Murphy just seems really awkward in the character and his own. So you can't really kind of latch on to it in any way. Isolde is quite good, but... And to me, the film never gets into the nubs. It's like the, the director, Tom Ryan, has said it's not a film about abortion. It's like a coming-of-age film. And I'm like, okay, but like... Abortion is huge in Ireland at the moment, the, the debate over repeal the 8th, and it doesn't really touch on it in too much of a way. The ending to me is a massive kind of cop-out. Cop-out, cop-out. Like, out. massive cop-out. And you... They kind of touch on the issues briefly when the two of them are in a hotel bed for, like, three minutes. It's just kind of, like, one-line answers. It's also a slightly cliched thing of the guy saying, oh, you should just keep it. Yeah. And her saying, no, I'm ready. I've made this decision. So it... Yeah, I had a few minor issues with. The and way to me, that I don't think the character, like the director, can write. There's no women in it apart from, um, Maggie. Like the mother, doesn't have any doesn't figure. lines. Arlo Handel is quite good in it, but you can see he's the actor with What's, the most weight. And like Pat Short is a good actor, but the lines he's given are terrible. Yeah, like he's just his character is given nothing. Yeah, I did think that the the dynamics with the 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 two dads in particular with their their children in Tipperary is is pretty good. And Arlo Handel. 
it transpires suffers from depression and I actually kind of bought into that and how the challenges with that the character with the divorced yeah um, not actual Arlo Hanlon no Arlo Hanlon's character he may character, suffer from depression yeah no he, Arlo Hanlon's character sorry the, so um, yeah I, I, I don't know but it did leave me slightly I don't know and I'm kind of tired of this motif of like oh you're going up to Dublin the big smoke and you know, sure, we're just country people and blah, blah, blah. I was just like, really, mm. come on. Like, I don't know. It's, it's Anyway, but I am still, I, so I took a lot from it and I can't wait to see his next film with more money and more time and proper guidance maybe with, with different scriptwriter because it is, a lot of it is nicely shot for, like really nicely shot. Oh, sorry, the probably, sound is awful in the film. I yeah, don't know what happened a very there. low. Because there was a lot, we got a screener of it, um, but we actually both went to see it in the cinema. Um, I went to see it in the lighthouse. Um, so I don't know if a lot of reviewers would have maybe seen it, the screener version or in the cinema. There's something that's gone wrong with the sound in that the, the audio is too low when they're talking. They maybe realised that after then, so they had to push everything up. So in the background, you can hear the, and it's just and a lot of the like the sound effects, the like someone putting a cup down a table and knock are just the mm. levels are all crazy. So that was really kind of yeah, and it was sort of done maybe about two like it's been in development for or sorry production for a really long time. I think it was ready for a long time. So it is good. It's gotten the cinema release. Um, but I don't think it's going to convert too many people to um low budget Irish dramas. We're being a bit harsh here, but anyway. No, but like you have to be honest because then it kind of like yeah, and it bothers it totally me that it's getting, any yeah, you know, any kind of this, why would anybody listen to what anything you have to say if you're mm. just kind of given like the Irish Times give this four stars, yeah, and kind of what it's given to other films, it's just it's it's a joke. Yeah, I don't know if it's a joke. I'm not laughing. Like it bothers me though that if you look, you know, they've given four stars recently to Baby Driver, right? So mm-hmm. Baby Driver and Twice Shy are comparable, according to that as a metric. Yeah. Um, no comment. Anyway. Okay, is that all our movies for the month? I think so. So we'll go a... to our movie moment. Sure. No, it... actually, I'm going to have to talk briefly about Transformers. Oh, and I have another film. Sorry, yeah. Damn. Terrible. Yeah, go for so it. Transformers ended up in seeing Transformers for the first uh, about two hours to fill time in my life. This is how my life works. So I didn't actually intend to see Transformers. But I messed up the times with my cousin Rachel, uh, which is a pretty good film. Well worth kind of seeing for anyone. It's been out weeks now. Rachel Weisz is in it. Um, uh, I'd recommend it to anyone who kind of likes a bit of a gothic uh, sort of, who, not quite a whodunit, but it touches with... I thought you were going to say hootenanny there. Hootenanny, <laughs> no. Similar, a couple of similar themes to Lady Macbeth. Um, but Because <coughs> untied. And so I... Enjoyed it. Anyway, issues with Transformers. For anyone who's seen Transformers, there's this thing that no one is actually talking about, that it was filmed in IMAX 3D and uh, not all of it was filmed in, with IMAX cameras. So bits of it are in traditional Academy ratio anamorphic screening. Some of it's in 69, some of it's in full scale, kind of t- t- almost the IMAX screen ratio, but it cuts between them like in like a scene of exchanging dialogue between it might change about eight, ten times and it's really jarring and really weird and annoying that they didn't understand how to process this properly. Looked it up, found a thing on Reddit where they sent this note out to cinema saying, no, it's meant to be like this, don't worry, this is what it's meant to be like. But it's just weird. Oh, so it's like when Stanley Kubrick used to send letters to projectionists. Yeah, so wow. Michael Bay is now doing this kind of thing. So I don't know what's going on. Like, obviously I should have seen it in IMAX 3D but I saw it in the bare bones 
free one, like for the Cineworld Unlimited card. So yeah. that's an issue. Uh, Anthony Hopkins is in it. Uh, Surely phoning it with in. Load like. of, he actually puts in a pretty fun performance. He's the right... He gets the tone bang on. Um, but there's an issue where he's in London um, and then he says, I must go to Trinity Library. And you're like, Trinity? Is he going to go to Dublin? Would he get in uh, on a plane? He could meet the guys from Twice Shy on the plane. Um, and he doesn't. And uh, he, then he's in, like he, he he's there in like five minutes or something. So you're like, that doesn't make any sense. And he's in Trinity. It's cool. Um, and then after another brief period of time, he's in Stonehenge. So look, I have issues with this geography just being wrong. I have a big problem with that. Um, but on a positive note, um, it is better. I've since read how the film ended and watched a breakdown of it online in terms of screenshots. So I know how the story ends for the final <laughs> 20 minutes that I missed. I don't think I missed anything, though. It gets ridiculous. Okay. Um, it's much more child friendly. There's it's like you can watch ads. I sit and watch TV in the afternoon. I'm literally paid to do it. Thank you all. Uh, but there's ads for it on in the afternoon that makes it just look like a kid's film where Mark Wahlberg is in it like a dad figure. They've they've really turned it into that thing. The language is much better. There's not as much like weird gaudy loody pervy pervy stuff yeah it's a bit better word um they still do use the word like bitch a lot and like remember this was the thing yeah yeah was that in that film before about bitching out don't bitch out on me now so i counted maybe five uses of the word mm. it's completely it's just out of place and it's weird but anyway um and jack rayner's not in it oh Anyway, so speaking of there's uh, a Shia LaBeouf cameo where i think he's oh. dead in the war in the movie universe and they put like a a weird because they're like all the Witwickies are dead, and they pan over to the wackiest headshot of Shia LaBeouf looking like crazy hair, looking like a mugshot, like uh, in Nick in Nolte. A, yeah, Nick Nolte. So I don't know. Is that a little like in joke or what? Ah, cool. Um, so just quickly, uh, Hampstead uh, opened last week as well. Stars Brendan Gleeson and Diane Keaton, about loosely based on a true story of um. A guy who lives in a shack on Hampstead Heath and they want to get rid of his shack because they want to build apartments and he kind of fights to reclaim the land. Uh, Very good fun. Quite silly. Uh, Romantic comedy. It's like uh, it's it's obviously aimed at older people. It's kind of, you know, since you are old now, though, you've decided to stop going to music festivals and you're drinking. You've given up tea and yeah, yeah, you're very much living the life of a 64 year old. Yeah. So it's aimed at that ever since the best Margold Hotel. Um, I think kind of movie industries cop down to be like, oh, actually, old people aren't dead and they yeah. loved going to the cinema when they were younger and they still like to go to the cinema now. And even women will go together. Yeah. Older The women. audience loved this. And we were at, they were bursting out laughing, clapped at different points and I was just like, yeah, brilliant, it's good fun. Brendan Gleeson doesn't have a whole pile to do. Like, there's certain bits where he just gets gruff and Irish and angry <laughs> and then calms down again and you're like, ah, okay. And Di- Diane Keaton is doing her best kind of Woody Allen kind of like, oh, it's all crazy and ditzy. Amazing style. Diane Keaton is fantastic and it's a really lovely warm film and yeah it got ripped apart on Arena about a week ago and I was like it's a bit harsh yeah you know, context and fun. know your audience so that's interesting yeah uh, still not sure I'd pay money to see it um, anyway, ah, deal with it go see it it's yeah. in your world um, so anyway my I guess we'll quickly wrap up the movie moment of the month mine is just the first this this is out a full month now but we didn't touch on it in the last one so um, Wonder Woman the first basically 15 minutes of it, the bits all in the Amazon before any dudes arrive. 
Um, did you like Wonder Woman? Yeah, I quite liked it. It's mm. as good as any other comic book movie. And it's yeah. not fair that it's getting loads of scrutiny just because a woman directed it. Yeah. Ah, yeah, but it's getting generally very positive. positive. Yeah, no, great. it is. I and thought better, it was very enjoyable. Yeah. Had a bit of a doze during the big fight scene towards the end. Yes. Where I was like, oh, come on, as always. But yeah. uh, it's good. It's, it's a film that starts very, very good and then slowly gets yeah. less good. Spuds um, in it. I wasn't expecting that. From uh, train spotting. That's true. And Native American. It, it turns into the young guns go off to save World War One. One. Mm. But anyway, um, yeah, it's good fun. What's your movie moment? Uh, it's an entire movie uh, called <laughs> My Life as a Courgette or My Life as a Zucchini for our American friends. Um, yeah, it's a brilliant film, French film. How um, can an entire movie be a movie moment? Did you have the same moment feeling, momentous feeling? Yeah, it was amazing. It's probably the best film from last month. Um, definitely. It's a lovely, heartbreaking story of uh, a child who kind of unwittingly kills his mother and ends up in a foster home of similar children who have maybe been not looked after correctly, quite horrible circumstances. So I kind of, I wouldn't really bring children to it because it's too, it is too adult and they wouldn't get what's kind of going on to some degree, but it's done in a lovely way. And I quite liked at the start, there's kind of a, a bad guy bully character, Simon, who's got red hair and it's like, oh, I suppose I have to have red hair. Aww. But then he turns out to, you know, be the star of the story. So well worth seeing. Uh, it might still be in the lighthouse or kind of select screenings but well worth going to see excellent um any fun plans coming up in july in the cinema yeah so i'm kind of looking forward to which is you know uh, a new film from judd apatow have you heard of this the big sick i've heard multiple things it's not actually from judd apatow no it's from michael showalter but uh, judd apatow is in there somewhere it's getting a lot of positivity yeah um he's in silicon valley yeah and also She's in, is it Ruby Sparks? Yeah. As I point these things out. Ruby Sparks, yeah. yeah. Uh, it sounds great. also has Ray Romano in it uh, from Everyone Loves Ray. Um, it's going to be playing at the Galway Film Fla, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but it's coming out on July 28th. And from the trailer, it looks actually very funny. So hopefully it's not. Uh, no, it is. It's two hours long. Great. Comedy, it's two hours. It's gotten, it's gotten very, uh, very, 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 very positive uh, reviews that, uh, yeah, so I can't wait. Yeah, cool. What's your pick for next month? My pick, I'm picking two big oh. heavy hitters. War for the Planet of the Apes. The yep. final part, apparently this is the last one in a new trilogy. 11th of July. I just loved the other two a lot. Um, My head, this was the fourth film, but okay. I think it's the third one. No, yeah, you're probably right. I don't know what the others are called. And we couldn't really remember what happened in the second one. But like, the I human... just remember the song, The Wait, in the second one. When they get power, that's the oh, first yeah. song that comes on. That's true. And then the other is uh, Dunkirk, the Christopher Nolan film, which could go either way, you know. 21st of July, though, it's in 70mm in the IFI. If it's IFI. British overload, I'm going to be like, oh, yawn. And yeah. how can Christopher Nolan direct a film without a big twist in it? Yeah. and Har- Does it turn out that uh, Hitler is actually... Har- um, Harry Styles from One Direction. So, yeah, it looks... It's a singular kind of style in terms of how it looks and feels and everything. So Where we I go think you'll see every penny... Mil? Uh, I think I'll be on my holidays. I don't know. On the 21st. <gasps> July 21st. Yeah. So uh, I don't think so. But I was looking at other places that have giant IMAXy things. So um, that might be the option. But they're the they're the two. Uh, it's a lean enough month, but plenty, plenty to look forward to. Speaking of things to look forward to, the Godwin Film Fla. Uh, 
kicks off in July and a good solid lineup. Um, I've a couple of films here. You can check out the full program on the website. Their website, yeah, yeah and on their Facebook page, yeah, dot co dot uk. That's a joke. It. That's uh, yes. So okay, one that I'm looking forward to is Bird by the Forgotten Children. Uh, it's a Spanish film from Alberto. Vasquez and uh, it's an animated film kind of dystopian future apocalyptic it's for adults though so there's probably loads of sex in it uh, that sounds like good fun um, Maze I'm very looking forward to uh, I think it's already sold out though so like tough luck uh, it's by Stephen Burke and stars uh, Nidge Tom Fall Lawler and Martin McCann who's great in The Survivalist and it's based on the 1983 um, sold prison out. break by sold the out already oh sold out so the website crashed yeah, but like, and finally, then thanks to your noble shadow, which is it sounds great. It's about Jenny O'Sullivan, a nun who was in Japan for seventy five years, and returns home to Ireland. And uh, her younger cousin uh, James uh, gets her to tell her story. So it's a documentary film called "Thanks to Your Noble Shadow," and that's playing on this Sunday. So there's three from me. Cool. I have also got three. Uh, so the first one is Michael Inside, which is directed by Frank Berry. Um, he did I Used to Live Here, which was the film about like people in uh, Tala. I guess it was sort of like not necessarily a social commentary, but it was very good at uh, showcasing like non-professional uh, actors and the cast participating in 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 a very real feeling Dublin story. Um, but anyway, my, the, this new film, Michael Inside, is sort of an 18-year-old young man who holds a bag of drugs for a friend's older brother and this then changes his life and he ends up in prison. So it's, again, it's touching on a lot of the same qualities ha- happy of go light. society. Yeah. Um, then Gerard Barrett, that director, that uh, divisive man. So what I'm most interested in, he did the TV series... Uh, uh, Small Town for TV3 with Pat Short that was very well regarded and he of course did Last Land with our man Jack Rayner and Tony Collette but this is getting its world premiere in September and then he has a film called Brain on Fire which is getting a world premiere in TIFF in September so this plays in all like how how has he got two feet like which is the one he actually cares about which one did he just crap out Um, anyway this is the intimate story of a woman uh, a mother and her, her daughter in Ireland as they battle homelessness in emergency accommodation for 24 hours. This sounds like very, very low budget that he kind of just made very quickly. And um, so that's intriguing, like to, rather than the other um, Brain on Fire, which is a big, huge. I think Chloe Moretz is in it, big American kind of thing. So third one I've got then um, from Ashling Walsh. Um, it's called Maudie and it stars Sally Hawkins and Ethan Hawke, who are just two of my favourite people. You know, that's pretty good. And uh, oh, I've seen the trailer for that. Is that something like Canada? A Canadian oh, Canada. folk artist Maud falls in love with a fishmonger while working as his housekeeper. Brilliant. There's also a great film. I can't remember the name of the director. It's called Ghost Story. I think I sent you the trailer for it. Um, it's by the guy who directed Ain't Them Body Saints. Your favorite film yeah, from whatever. Is that at Galway? Yeah, but it's on on like the Thursday or something. Oh, we won't be David Lowry Galway he, till he, uh, yeah. Friday. David Lowry also did um, that thing that I liked last year about the about the dragon, Pete's dragon. Oh yeah, so yeah, so check out all the shorts as well. I always kind of swear by the shorts. You can yeah. find some real gems in there. Yeah, and a good short from uh, occasional spool listener Jed Murray playing on the Friday morning. Um, but yeah, get along to any of the programs. They get six or seven, and they're always they're always great. Um, we're gonna wrap up with um, 
the scene that I always think is hilarious because I was looking through some of these, thinking about Planet of the Apes. Um, so this is Charlton Heston seeing the uh, Statue of Liberty and... Hashtag spoiler. Yeah, God damn you all to hell. So it's kind of interesting to see how this series has gone from that. We had the Tim Burton one maybe nearly 20 years ago now. Was that like 17, 18 years ago? Yeah. And to where the series is now that everyone kind of loves and well regarded. Um, so yeah, that's where we're coming with this. Here's Charlton. I'm home. All the time. We finally really did it. You maniacs! You blew it up! Oh, damn you! God damn you all to hell! I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. 